Bougie Guinoa. This is Charles Smith. I'm Ojibwe from the Fond du Lac Reservation, and you're listening to the Middle of the Res Road podcast. Bougie Anishinaabe Doug. This is Joel Boje. I'm an Ojibwe from the Boys Fort Band of Chippewa Indians. This is in collaboration with the Minnesota Tribal Contractors Council, a.k.a. MNTCC, the show that is designed to be the source of information about industry job opportunities, success stories, trainings, and upcoming projects for Native Americans. We also share about our culture and language because it is the foundation of our identities. Oh. Bujou, welcome back to another episode of Middle of the Res Road. We have a couple special guests for you today. Um, I'm going to turn it over to them and I'll let them introduce yourselves. Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, my name is Kristen Bakke. I'm the executive director of the Iron Mining Association of Minnesota. Um, we are a nonprofit that advocates for and supports the iron mining industry. Um, we've been around for 31 years, I think. Um, I've been around for a year and a half, so <laughs> still kind of new in the role, but learning a lot and really loving it. Um, a little background, I'm from Chisholm on the Iron Range, um, grew up there in a mining household, a uh, very proud union household, and uh, took a very different path. I entered the world of journalism after, school, after college and um, worked in Duluth at Channel 3, I was a news anchor and news reporter, and I covered the mining industry, and I thought it was so fascinating. I spent six years telling stories about mining. I grew up just down the road from a, a mine, and I didn't know half of the stories that I told. And so I learned a lot in that time, and um, you know, six years later, an opportunity opened up to run the Iron Mining Association, and they really wanted to focus on storytelling, and um, it just felt like a really good fit. And so despite some of my fears about taking on this role, I jumped at it and yeah, it's been great so far. Wow. That's amazing. Welcome, Kristen. Um, we have somebody famous in our podcast <laughs> booth today. That is amazing. I love it. Yes. I don't know if I'd say famous. <laughs> you were once a news anchor. That, that's pretty famous in our podcast booth. You know, we're, we're, we're moving up. I'm honored. <laughs> We're honored to have you. Wow. I'm like floating right now. <laughs> and oh, I have to follow no that. Pressure. Yeah, we, we, we should have let Rory go first. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm Roy Smith. Um, and um, I'm going to have to make something up now. Okay. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fifth generation, um, Iron Ranger. I, uh, I grew up on the range. Uh, my parents, um, were both school teachers, are both school teachers. Um, and, uh, I graduated from high school in 1981, just as what we call kind of the bad times on the range started, you know, the, the mines were down, employment was high. We were losing, uh, bus loads of people off the range leaving. There was, there was nothing there. You kind of got your diploma and a set of luggage and, um, uh, it was hard to find. It was hard to find good good jobs and opportunities, and so um, I pursued a degree in education as well, and um, ended up spending most of uh, most of my professional career in education in the in the state of Nevada until about two thousand four, and I um, always wanted to return home, and I had an opportunity to do so. Um, 
uh, when a position came open um, that was focused on workforce development, uh, and it's a position that I share between the IRRB, Iron Range Resources and Rehabilitation uh, Board, a state agency, the only state agency that's not a statewide agency, and so... Um, uh, we redistribute the mining tax uh, into the Taconite Assistance Area region of, of northeastern Minnesota, and really in three areas, business development, workforce development, and, uh, and community development. And I share that position um, with the five colleges of Minnesota North College, those uh, two-year campuses uh, just to the north of where we're sitting right now. Um, and I focus mainly on uh, technical programming and ensuring that there's a pathway for students uh, who are interested in the trades to, to do so starting at the high school level and then matriculating uh, onto one of the campuses and then uh, into either a union apprenticeship or to work in, in the mining industry or, or the many jobs that are available in the supplier and vendor chain. Not uh, nearly as famous as that. That, that, is, that not, is not bad. That is the groundwork. There like it is. That, that's what that is. That's that's the groundwork, and that's beautiful. And you're famous in your own right. Yes, he is. <laughs> everybody knows Roy. Everybody, everybody knows Roy. <laughs> if you don't, you better get to know him. Um, but yeah, like so. Welcome to the podcast, Boo. It's the middle of the Res Road. I, I, I'm, I was very excited to come meet you guys and, and you know, like, and see a little bit about your goals with um, what you guys do on the everyday, like with your 501C6. I have a hard time saying that. I don't know why. That's just how I am because um, we here at Middle of the Res Road are, are a 5013C. So I think, you know, like just change that around a little bit and, and, and it's C6, C3. <laughs> so I but, usually just say nonprofit. No, and yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, and that works too. And that, that'd be too easy for me, <laughs> 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 but, but it's, um, let, let's get into it. You know, like, like, um, let's get into some of the goals, um, as the IMA. Mm-hmm. So, um, let's, let's get on uh, a little bit about that and how that works. And, um, especially in the mining industry. Yeah, I actually, how I got into this role is one of my favorite icebreaker stories, just because people are like, wait a second. So you were a news anchor and now you're running a mining organization. Like, how does that fit? How did that happen? And really, uh, it came about because our board of directors at the iron mining association realized the lack of storytelling and public perception that there is out there about iron mining. What's crazy is next year marks 140 years of iron mining in Minnesota. This industry has been around for a very, very long time. And yet many people do not know it exists or what it even means, what it does, why it's so important. And so that's where my communications background really came into play. Uh, we need to focus on sharing this industry because the truth is it impacts everybody, every single one of us, um, especially in the state of Minnesota. Um, you know, we can get into it, but from the economic impact, it's more than a billion dollars every single year. Um, money goes into the schools, to every public uh, school across the entire state. The philanthropic work that the companies do with the local folks who work there. Um, so the impact is enormous. And it's important for us to share that because I think the lack of knowledge has had a domino effect into a few areas. Uh, one being policy 
I think that can really play a role. I always say everything leads back to policy at some point. The other being the workforce issue that mining is facing, but most industries are facing this same workforce issue. And I think a big part of that is people don't know about the industry, which means they don't know about the opportunities that it presents. And so that is a really big focus of ours. So the storytelling workforce and part of that is education, um, which Roy plays a huge role in helping us connect the dots between the two. And then also we are a membership-based organization. And so really focusing on our membership and and what they bring to the table and how we can support their business. Because ultimately, if their businesses are thriving, so are our communities. And and that's really, you know, that's really the most important thing. Yeah, well, so so my link to that is in the is in the workforce piece. I I, I find it interesting that um, you know, growing up, you couldn't find enough jobs for the people that were still living on the Iron Range that hadn't left yet. And now, you know, so many years later, I'm, I'm, I just turned 60 and I'm back here and I'm, I'm working on, you know, just the, just the opposite of, of that issue is trying to find enough skilled people to fill the jobs that are available. And I think we're doing a great job of it. We we're seeing companies grow and, and expand, um, by utilizing, you know, customized training at our local colleges. Uh, if they don't have a, uh, you know, a specific trade, they can go back for some short-term training certificates, you know, developing the pipeline at the local high school that allows students to stay because you, you sort of grew up with this idea idea of, you know, if you want to be successful, you've got to leave because there really aren't opportunities here when the reality is um, opportunities abound in the region. We're, we're really growing uh, and, have, and have continued to grow right through the pandemic. Um, the supplier and, ve- and vendor chain, as, as Kristen mentioned, is, is a really a growth area for us in northeastern Minnesota and a direct relationship that we have with, uh, you know, with the Port of Duluth. And so being able to show these students that there are, that there are opportunities there, they're, they're really well-paying jobs uh, with great benefits. Um, they don't, many of them don't require a four-year degree. They require a, a two-year or even a one-year degree or, or, or a certificate, for instance. I know, you know, CDL, for instance, is a very short-term certificate that's in high demand, not only in northeastern Minnesota, um, but all over the country. So, you know, we, we, when we think about educating for the skill set, right? It's really that kind of mechanical, electrical, technical skill set, sort of like you're, you're building, um, that allows students to go to work, n- not just directly in mining, if there aren't any jobs available at that particular time, but it allows them to be in the supplier and vendor chain and really cut their teeth and hone their skills until there's an opportunity for them to, to, to move up. I think the other thing we've seen as well, um, Kristen, is this idea that um, the wages in the supplier and vendor chain um, have 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 increased as well because you know they're doing business mining is critically important to them but also as they look out into construction agriculture pulp and paper power generation that skill set of you know the millwright the welding the electrical the technical is in demand all over the place so the opportunities are just are simply unlimited right now Yes, I, I really, really agree with you. That's And that's an avenue that I really like to be on, that avenue of opportunity. And um, who has the, what's the main focus of uh, creating opportunity 
and that 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 is huge in my mind. It's like if you don't get up, like we talked about earlier, if you don't get up and and go try, you ain't gonna know what's available to you. And you know, like and and that's what I always um, admire about what the work you guys do is. Is, you know, like you're out there, you're trying to get people motivated to get out of, get out of bed every day and, and, and come learn something. And I think that's so important, especially like within the industry and not just mining, not, it, it could be anything and, and making that available. So we talked a little bit about what's coming in 2024. Do we want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, we can talk about yeah, that. Yeah, let's talk about that upcoming, because that's next month. I know. <laughs> it's Isn't coming fast. that crazy? I accidentally just wrote October on this form, and it is December. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I just, I'd like to add this, too, on, on the workforce front. Um, there are a lot of really cool opportunities in the mining industry. I think sometimes when we get in this conversation, it gets really serious. And, you know, it's like, well, if you want a job, we have a job for you. And the truth is when we're talking to students and our focus, you know, running, uh, going into 2024, will really be on that seventh to ninth grade level, because that's when kids are starting to kind of pick what they're interested in and maybe think about, hmm, what do I want to, you know, studying career academies or different opportunities in their high school. And so uh, that's really where our focus will be. And I think, you know, it's great when you tell kids, did you know that in mining they use AI and they use drones? And these are all skills that you can learn right at a company within the industry. I mean, on-the-job training has become so huge. And, and that's great. We want to see that. We want to see people enter in and then continue to move up. I mean, that's really the dream, right? Yes. And so um, I think letting kids know that this is a really cool industry to be in. And it, it doesn't mean just working at the mine or at the plant. This can be working at a place that builds the 240 ton trucks. This can be at a place that engineers different aspects of the mining process. I mean, there's so many cool opportunities that really uh, can a number of different skills that students have fit within that industry. I'm a communications person. (laughs) And here I am working in the mining industry. The opportunities are really there. And if, if you're passionate about the environment, I work with a number of environmental folks at the different mining companies and different um, vendor supplier companies. And that is their everyday job to focus on how can we be better? What's the newest technology? You know, they're always looking ahead. And I think, you know, the opportunities are so vast. And that's just something that's missing. Um, There's a, a perception of what iron mining looks like. That's and it's not that way anymore. It's a very high-tech industry. And so I think that's important to share with students. That brought up a very, very good question, I think, for our listeners is you talked about environmental, environmental safety, um, and knowing and working with these people. And how do you believe that the environmental impact has gotten better? Yeah, 
I mean, I think, you know, if you look back 140 years of mining, <laughs> 140 years ago, uh, the technology was very minimal. Things have changed uh, extensively in the industry in that time. And things are always changing. They're always working to do better and be better. Right now, a big focus is that sustainability factor. Um, green steel is a big topic of conversation. Uh, U.S. Steel's KeyTac mine has a new DR project, $150 million investment in that in the town of Kiwatin, it's just a small town on the Iron Range with this mining operation, $150 million investment, and that's going to create a cleaner uh, pellet, which can then be used in a more efficient steelmaking process. So the work is being done. I just don't know that it's being talked about as much as it should be. So if you're in it, you see it happening, but that's why we need to be better about sharing our story and sharing what's happening in the industry. Education. Exactly. I love it. Exactly. I love that. Yes. Like, it, you know, it, it, it's interesting. Cause I was, I had just jotted down here a, a couple of different uh, uh, opportunities and certainly one is with, with students. And I think the other thing that, that we can do um, with getting those, you know, that, that age group that, that Kristen talked about um, not only, you know, hearing and seeing, uh, and watching what the industry is like, but also, you know, we at, at IRRRB, we provide a grant on an annual basis uh, that our high schools can use or, or any of our schools in the region can use to pay for substitutes and pay for transportation to actually get out and see what it's like in a particular business. In fact, we require them as part of their, you know, academy or career pathway that twice a year they're over on one of the college tech school or tech campuses um, interacting with the instructor and the students in that particular program that they're studying if they're if they're interested in electrical or millwright or whatever it might be they have those opportunities and then they have to take two business visits a year as well and and I've seen just tremendous opening of doors from our our membership at IMA to allow students in you know it, it used to be really hard to do that to get them to you know come in and let let students walk around in a factory that's making multi-million dollar e equipment but it really um, creates a fire in their in their hearts for those students to to keep moving down that path. But the other thing I think Kristen alluded to was, you know, the opportunities in mining on the environmental front. You know, to it it's it it really is just it's hard to talk about, you know, electric vehicles and energy and battery storage and all that, and and then and leave mining completely out of the out of the equation. Um, Iron mining in particular has a tremendous opportunity with, you know, talks around and research around decarbonization and all of those different things, the iron battery, doing that research. Many of those things that, you know, our, our folks in the industry are, they're doing it right now. And, you know, it's a matter of having an opportunity to be able to implement that. When I think about the environment and, and where, you know, we live where people pay thousands of dollars a month to vacation <laughs> yeah. and we live there. So we don't have to attract talent to the region. We just need to produce opportunities for them to be able to stay in the region. And when I think about clean air, clean water, um, outdoor recreation and opportunities, I, you know, the biggest super fund on the, in the state isn't on the iron range, the most polluted air 
the most polluted water. They're not there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're to the south of here. And so um, nobody cares more for the environment than the, the folks that are living and working in the industry or in the area. I have a, a good friend and colleague who says, if you really love the environment, go into mining because you can make an impact. You can help make those decisions. And I think that's exactly right. And um, I also think it's good to have these conversations yeah. because we want to talk about it. Yeah. You know? And we want to get people in there that, that really do care about those that maybe are from the range or they're from Minnesota and they want to keep Minnesota, Minnesota. Right. Exactly. And um, I really like what you said about like the pathways, creating pathways. And that's a, that's another thing kind of we talked about earlier that we, um, how are you guys connecting, say, these students or the people that walk into your to the IMA how are you connecting them with the employers? Right. So um, a couple different ways. Um, one, we, um, uh, the, the companies, I, I think the, the, the bigger the company, um, the more um, sophisticated onboarding process they have, right? So they've got more, um, more individuals perhaps uh, when, they, when they, you know, have job openings, maybe they have a stack of resumes, you know, this high, where some of the smaller companies, it's a little bit harder for them to find somebody with all of the skills that they that they need. So we try and, and connect really starting at an early level, as Kristen mentioned, around that seventh and eighth grade level when they're when they're uh, making choices about what electives they're going to take in high school. So we have um, industry partners that will come in and in the classroom. We have um, college instructors uh, that'll come in to the classroom and talk to the students about, you know, this is what you should be doing now if you want to do that. And then as they move up, um, uh, our our courses at the um, at the colleges all have industry visits tied to them, and then um, that's where a lot of the recruitment really takes place. It's I'm a, I'm an old hockey player, right? So I, I liken everything to the hockey, the professional draft, and so our students at the uh, college level they become um, um, eligible for employment actually before they graduate. So if they graduate in May, about April, um, they're they're eligible to be recruited. And so we have employers coming from all over the place to come in and, you know, they want to get those, you know, those top graduates out of those programs and get them to come for, to work for them. And um, the area in which they recruit has become larger and larger. I mean, we've got folks coming for our, our mill rights and, and some of our other programs from, from companies that are, are not on the range Right. So yep. that's that's having some of that competition is good because then our, you know, our local our local employers go after them, um, go after them even harder. I just think, um, uh, again, getting them out there, letting them take a look. Some of them, um, you know, they have a family who have worked historically in the in the trades. And so they end up, you know, one of two things happen. Either they hear at the kitchen table, you're not going into the trades. You're going to go do this. Or they, they hop right into it. I, I, I know a person, um, I graduated with his father, and um, I saw a picture recently of uh, his dad, who just retired, handing his toolbox at one of our local mines 
the toolbox is about the size of this table and (laughs) you know what it looks like, right? And he's turning the keys over to his son who is now taking his position off. We we see a lot of that, that family Mm -hmm. tradition of working in the, in the industry. I think you bring up a good point though, Roy, Uh, that kitchen table talk, you know, it's little things that we can do every day to kind of open up the eyes of, of kids and students and even young adults to what we have in this area. I mean, the opportunities are really endless. Um, I would say it's a workers, <laughs> it's the time of the workers right now because there are so many jobs out there that need your skill set. So, um, yeah, it's really a big part of it is just, can we change that conversation around the trades? Um, you know, not even just specifically mining, in general, the trades. I think we collectively can start talking about it differently than we have recently. And, um, and it might make a difference. Yeah, just some simple conversations. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I love with what, what you guys are doing and how you are doing it. Like, and just the, the atmosphere that you're creating for opportunity is amazing. And we kind of talked about that earlier, about all the different opportunities, about, you know, like all these different things that the industry needs. It, it don't just need laborers. It don't just need carpenters. Oh. It don't just need uh, operators. It, it it goes beyond that. I mean, way beyond that. And like you touched on that earlier, like um, accountants and all this other stuff. And that um, to hear you guys see that just like how you see it is just it is really an opportunity in itself. And I'm very grateful to be a part of that. Um, can I, can I, I, I just want to share this. And, and I think Kristen had brought it up earlier about, um, about uh, opportunities for, for folks that we've kind of traditionally overlooked in the trades. Yes. Right. And starting with, starting with women. Um, so we've developed a, a program in association with the, um, uh, the Minnesota Women's Foundation, our, our Minnesota North Colleges, um, the IRRRB, IMA, a number of other trade groups. Um, the Blannon Foundation um, has been a, been a funder of this as well, and it's called Empowered. Mm-hmm. And it's focused on um, non-traditional um, women um, going to work in, in the trades, you know, where they traditionally wouldn't be found. So it, in, it includes all of, the, all of the skilled trades. You know, it's electrical, it's millwriting, welding, um, uh, it also includes um, law enforcement. Um, I'm, I'm missing a few here, but it's a it's a unique program that um, has been really effective. And to see the way that the females who are already successful in the trades have rallied around those women that are in this program, um, I think we're going on the maybe fifth or sixth year, and there's about 20 of those of these women that come out every year, and then they roll back. It just the success builds on the success. They roll back in and sort of become mentors in this program. But you know what we find in northeastern Minnesota too is the fact that you know for many students, it's not the cost of college that is um, 
prohibits them from going into that. It's all the things that prohibit you from doing it in your regular life, right? It's like, I can afford the tuition, but I can't afford to quit my job to go back to school. So how do I pay my rent and do all of those things? Or I figure that out and I'm two weeks in and my car breaks down, right? And I don't have the three or 400 bucks that it takes to, those are the things that the, the same people that the same things that make people have to quit their jobs or not be successful are the same things that you know don't allow them to be successful on a college campus or in an educational program of some sort and that can that even if that's in a um, you know in an apprenticeship position in, in one of the trades if you don't have transportation or whatever you I mean you're just not going to be successful so this empowered program has allowed us to really develop this support system to bring these these women into the trades. And what we're looking at now is saying, well, if that works for this group of women, we need to be able to take that model and, and have it work for folks that we have just traditionally, you know, left behind. People who have been previously incarcerated, members of our native community to the north that are not engaged in the workforce the way that they potentially could be when we need, really need all hands on deck yep. of everybody who wants to work getting some training and opportunity. And what I'm saying is it's, it's not, oftentimes it's not the tuition or the cost of college. It's all those other expenses that come up that we're working together as a region to figure out how do we, how do we do that? And our, 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 our two-year campuses, Minnesota North College campuses have really been a leader in that and working with IMA and, and, and working with um, our, 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 our friends at, uh, in the education programs at our, um, at our, you know, at our, uh, with our tribal partners, um, uh, working with, um, you know, St. Louis County uh, in corrections, um, you know, what your, your, you know, 30 days or you're a year from release. Okay. What's the plan? <laughs> yeah. What are you like, going to do? Like, so you're, you're planning on trying to bring education yep. into, into institutions. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I, that's like, that's something to look forward to, and I, I really appreciate you saying that. Wow, that that's that's amazing! Like like just the visions that your 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 company has. Where do you find the struggle in connecting people with industry? Hmm. A lot. There's a lot of it, <laughs> and I think there has been a lot of it for a long time. Roy has been working in this field for a very long time. Um, so he can probably speak better to what that has looked like historically. But I think um, I think just accessibility has been such a struggle for people and a struggle to connect with people. And that, I think now industry across the board recognizes that. And that's why you see a lot more um, of a push to really reach traditional, non-traditional students. Um, because like Roy said, it's all hands on deck. I mean, yes. this, this workforce shortage is very real. Um, you know, <laughs> for the first time, and I think a very long time, even the mining companies cannot find enough people to work. There used to be a wait list to work at the mines. It's not that way anymore. And these are really good paying jobs that can give you a, a great, you know, comfortable life. And so I think the struggle is just that connection where, you know, are we 
are we going to the right places to find the people who, who could potentially work in this industry? So that's something that we focus on a lot. And that's why, you know, you hear seventh through ninth graders and then non-traditional students. I mean, we're just trying to tap into every group that we can to make sure people know there are opportunities out there and we want you to have them. So, you know, we just want to start that conversation. Yeah, that's, yeah. and that's a question I get all the time is like, how did you get to where you're at? It's like I got up and I got out of bed and I went out and I got the trainings and I, and I did what I had to do. I didn't have a car. I didn't, I, I, you know, I had people, I had good friends, you know, that would get me there and I had to figure it out. And sometimes you just got to grind your teeth and lock down and, and just get out there and get it. And, and, sure. and, and that's, you know, like that's life. That's life. And, you know, like I, I really like what Roy said about the all hands on deck. Yeah. That's the truth. It's like so so if you were going to give a message to the people that are out there that don't know how, what would you tell those people? Well, I think, you know, to, to, to your point, if you if, if you're an individual that 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 has a desire to stand on their own two feet and, and work and uh, and and are responsible, um, there's a there's a spot for you. We'll we'll, we'll find a way. Um, I think um, the, the the beauty of being in northeastern Minnesota is you do have an an audience, a, a population of people that really this is where they want to be. And um, we need to find them, you know, we need to locate them and, and, and we need to advocate for them and we need to educate them, support them as they move through the, you know, through the process. And um, we're finding ways to remove barriers. I mean, that's really what we have to do. So whether that's, you know, your a previous incarceration or whether that's tuition dollars or whether that's money for tools or whether that's, you know, helping connect you with an industry partner that has a job or an internship that, that you could take. Um, it really is what I kind of call just hand-to-hand combat now. I mean, we're really down to that portion of, you know, aside from an influx of migration into the region, um, we've really got to be able to do whatever we can with, you know, with what we have. And, and I, I have to pat the region on the back a bit because um, it's a challenge for us. But as I look around at other rural parts of the country, it, it's, um, it's really hard. I mean, we're, you know, I always think we're fortunate that we're, we're unique in, in, um, in our area because we're one of the only rural areas across the country that's rural non-ag, right? So that's a challenge though, because we're a rural natural resources based economy. And so while you don't need a, a bachelor's degree or a PhD to do some of the, you know, a lot of the operations jobs that we're talking about in the mm-hmm. industry, um, you do need some skills and you need something probably behind beyond high school um, it's not just like, you know, in, in, um, in some areas you can walk right out of high school with zero skills and, you know, find a job somewhere doing something. And, and ours isn't, you know, we're talking about highly skilled, technologically advanced workforce that we need, which benefits the region. I mean, it really is a competitive advantage. If you talk to any of the, of the mine operators, one of the first things they do when they're receiving national awards and whatnot is they just, they, 
you know, they talk about the ore bodies that are available in northeastern Minnesota, but, you know, a, a gift of, uh, of, uh, of the glacial ice ages and, and, uh, and, and geology, but they always talk about the highly skilled workforce. Yes. Always, always, always. So I just think it's, it's interesting to be able to present those opportunities. The other thing, though, in terms of connecting people with the industry that I think has become challenging for us is, you know, there is just this divisive political nature in this country right now. And you can see it in, in northeastern Minnesota. And so whatever the critical issue is, whether it's gun control or abortion or whatever, there is no middle ground. And right now there just is not a lot of middle ground on mining. And unfortunately, um, you know, it's a, a lot of it is driven by, you know, national politics or people who aren't even in the region where we can sit down and have these kind of conversations, but it behooves other organizations to have this sort of tumultuous relationship between, you know, the en environmentalists uh, as they, as you know, they'll uh, will refer to themselves as I, I refer to, I, I'm an environmentalist. I love the outdoors. I'm constantly outside yep. um, or mining. You're either one or the other. Right. And, and I, I just don't think that's the way we're wired up here. I think that, you know, it's a little bit of both. And you've got, you know, do we need to we, we live off the land, all of us in very different ways, but we're all dependent on the earth. Yes. And, and I think that's got to be the connecting point. And if we're looking at things we need to do to to, you know, heal our earth. Those things can come from mining and the technology that it has as well. So there's, you know, we, we've just got to continue to seek out what, what, where's that middle ground, the middle of the res road, where's that? Yes, I love that. Like, um, so earlier we kind of, you know, like got into a little bit about the, the vision, the vision of, of where IMA is going to go. Mm-hmm. And what you guys would like it to do? What What is your ideal of, um, you know, like, are, are we looking for numbers? Are we looking for individual people that we can help? What is the the main overall overall goal for, for the whole thing? You know, like come 2024, like. Sure. I think it depends on which sort of goal uh, bucket well, we're talking about for IMA, but you know, when we're, when we talk about public perception and storytelling and, and communications um, and public outreach, that is definitely a broad goal. We want to reach as many people as we can. And one way we're doing that is through um, a new video segment that we haven't premiered yet, but it's, it's going too soon. And it's called the mining story. And our goal with that is just to talk about what iron mining is. Um, it's shipping out of the port of Duluth and Superior. It's the rails all over the state and beyond. It's the communities. It's our chambers of commerce. I mean, it is so vast, this industry. And I think, you know, in conversations I've had with people from all different parts of the state, the biggest question is, why does iron mining matter? And it matters because it impacts every single one of us. The iron from the iron range leaves as taconite. And that taconite goes to a steel mill and becomes 
the things we use every single day. Every day. Every day. Yeah. It blows people's minds when they yep. think about, well, what, you know, what products have steel? What products don't? Yes. I mean, that really is the, the easier question to answer. And so that's a big thing for us. And, you know, it's interesting because I think sometimes I wonder, um, you know, do people already know this? Is this, am I kind of talking about things that people are already aware of? And they're not. And I learned that very quickly um, by visiting the state fair. We had a booth at the education building there and people were so curious about what these little taconite pellets were that I had there with me. And they wanted to know how they got to the steel mills and they wanted to know that whole process. And they could not believe that this was happening just north (laughs) and that it's been happening on the iron range for, you know, over a hundred years. And so I think, you know, when we're talking about that storytelling aspect, from my point of view, that will have a positive impact on many of the issues that the industry is facing from workforce and education to policy. Because if people aren't aware of an industry and they aren't aware of how it affects them, like how it affects you in your everyday life, because that's all that really matters, right? Yeah. Um, then, then how can we expect them to support it? It's if people have bigger things going on in their lives, they're worried about paying the bills and and making sure their kids are good and and caring for parents, whatever it might be. Everybody has something going on, and they can't always take the time to think about iron mining and why it's so important to them. But that's where we come in and make sure people realize that we need this industry um, to to survive and thrive for many, many reasons. And so that's really the focus of the work that we're doing. Yes, that's that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. That's a, I, I couldn't have said it any better myself. I thought, you know, like for a long time, the little pellets that you find on the railroads I thought those were for my slingshot (laughs) I hear (laughs) that a lot for many years I thought that (laughs) yeah I had a whole bag of them (laughs) I had people at the state fair say oh I used to slingshot those all the time as a kid (laughs) I was wondering where they came from (laughs) now you know (laughs) yeah I thought it was just a rock (laughs) but but it's that's amazing and um so how can people reach out to your nonprofit? How can people get educated about what you're doing and how you're doing things? Um, like, um, what's an easy pathway to be able to contact? Yeah, our website, I would say, is a great resource. We just revamped it. So we're still adding uh, a lot of stuff on there, but it's just um, www.taconite.org. Otherwise, we're on Facebook, on all the social media sites. Um, But I think really, you know, the goal of the website is to provide some of that information. I like to call it the mining 101 because a lot of times, you know, I've gone into conversations where I'm not the expert on the specific topic, whatever it might be. And I want a little, I want a little cheat sheet of what, 
what we're going to be talking about here. And I think that's what our website can provide to people. Um, just, you know, a quick little history of what mining is and how it affects you and um, why it should matter to you. And so I think that's a great resource. Also, you know, I'm always happy to chat with people. Um, I've, I've had people call our, um, our phone and, and message me on Facebook curious about job opportunities in mining. And that's great because I can then (laughs) reach out to my network and say, Hey, I have so-and-so, you know, here's their experience. Can I connect you even just to start a conversation? Um, I'm happy to do that. And I think we have a really great group of people working in, in this workforce, um, field who want to do that. You know, we want to help people make that connection because it, it will benefit all of us to do so. Yeah. Really well said. Um, I, I think the, uh, we've never been, um, better prepared to, um, help people achieve their goals, uh, and our, and our businesses in the region achieve their goals than, than, than we are now. Um, you know, this link between, between the industry, um, the agency, I'll call it IRRRB, uh, and our uh, and our educational system, both our high schools and our and our colleges in the region, is um, really a competitive advantage uh, for us. Um, I think you know if you're an individual on here, what what matters to you? And for a lot of people, it's a it's a job. It's a well paying yeah. job that um, you know that has that that pays you uh, you know enough that you can um, have a nice uh, a, a nice family life. You can provide for yourself and your and your family and your extended family um, if you uh, if you have that. It's got benefits, retirements, you know, all of those things that that come along with it. Um, so if you're looking for a job, right, then we can connect with you know with with IMA. Um, we use North Force, which is a website, and a person could just Google that. And a lot of our companies are listing their positions um, on there as well. Um, if you, if you feel like you, you lack the training, um, you can Google, um, Minnesota North college and all of our technical training programs are on there. Um, and they have various start times. Uh, there'll be probably some starting this summer, uh, and then into the fall as well. Um, second semester, you could probably even get in, um, on second semester, uh, after the holidays, um, scholarships galore out there right now. So, um, that, that is really not a barrier. Um, we have a lot of scholarships, um, at, at our campuses. And then with the, um, um, the North star promise, uh, coming up in 2025, that eliminates even, even more barriers. Um, and again, the, the range of education is from, you know, some short-term training certificates all the way up to two-year. We have, we, we've got our own four-year engineering program on the range right now. So if you can get your bachelor's degree uh, and a master's degree in engineering, um, we have got a lot of, you know, we have those two-year career and technical positions in all these industries. But then you also have, you know, more of the four-year and graduate level when you get into the into the labs and into the the um, the engineering and that sort of stuff. Um, so uh, those are all um, available online, and then um, 
from an IRRB perspective, um, you know, if you're a business that's looking to come up, you know, getting a hold of Kristen and becoming a member of IMA is a great start. If you're looking at, <laughs> if you're looking at coming up uh, as well, and and you know, locating a business or expanding your business um, to be closer to the industry, um, we have a a, a whole uh, series of of um, loan and grant products that we can that we can offer to companies that are expanding too. So we're we're really loaded for uh, loaded for success and just waiting for more opportunities. Wow, that's that's amazing. A little bit of promotion there, you know, <laughs> there you a little, little bit of, you know, I love it. Roy's I, a I, natural I, connector. Yes, he, he is, and, and, he, and he flew it right under the radar, you know, like part of the spiel. I was like, I love it. <laughs> we're all about that here. Yes, we're, yes. we're all about supporting other businesses and other 501C6s. We're a 501C3, so... um it's amazing and you know we would love to have you guys back in the studio it's like it this has been amazing it's been a learning curve and um it's valuable information that people can use on in their everyday life and i think you know like you said your website was org. yes so you know our listeners i had really uh ask you to look into it and look into the IMA and um, the IRRR. Yes, IRRB, Iron Range Resources and Rehabilitation yeah. um, Board. I'll, 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 make a, I'll make a plug for you since you're not going to for yourself. But if you're a, <laughs> you're a 501c3, so if, you are a, if you're listening out there and you are a private nonprofit and you, by your statutes, um, have to get rid of a bunch of money before January 1st, Give to these guys. There you go. This they, is a, this is a great oh, look at that. website. <laughs> look at Roy. I've been listening. I to, love uh, this guy. <laughs> I love I've this been listening guy. to see her ever since uh, we, we first heard of you and, yep. and and the topics that you guys have and it's just it, this this a, this a, this is a great great outfit you have here. Oh man, I, I love it and. and I never knew this. This was capable for me. I never knew that I'd be able to do this and, and meet the people that I've met on here. It's just, it, it's been so amazing, you know, and now we got fame walking through our door here at our podcast booth. I love it, you know, like, like so check out the news, wow. an, the, the ex-news anchor, you know, like she, she's got an amazing story on the website. Oh. On social media, are you holding the microphone? Oh. At least just for old time's sake. <laughs> I think that's going to bring a lot of people in. <laughs> it might. It might oh do that. <laughs> no, but I... I, I have Roy, Roy hold it there for you. you. Go. <laughs> and then when you're done, you can drop it. <laughs> a mic drop moment. The mic drop moment. <laughs> yeah, it's be like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. You know, I will say too, I, I mentioned Roy's a connector, but you're doing the same thing with this podcast. Yes. I mean, yeah. and, and truthfully... It really is a, a great opportunity for organizations like IMA to come on and say, here's what we're doing. We'd love to help you get involved in some way. And, um, you know, just the fact that you're sharing all of these stories is is so important. And you have such an incredible story yourself. And so, you know, we're just, we've been waiting to be on this podcast. Oh, we're just thrilled to be here. I'm blushing. <laughs> I'm blushing. You can't tell, but I am. <laughs> but thank you. I really appreciate you guys being on, both of you. It's like I have so much respect for the work that you guys are doing. That 
That is a highlight of my day, highlight of my week until the next episode. Um, I'm just really grateful you guys could be here today. And um, Merry Christmas. Christmas is coming. Yes. Yes. Crazy, crazy. Should we end this one with a Christmas carol? All right. Just kidding. <laughs> no um, one needs to hear that. <laughs> you all have a wonderful time. We'll have to set up a, another another date for for oh, another for sure. podcast. Yeah. It, I'm in. Yeah. You know, I, I, it's like. We probably could have went on for another hour or Easy. two, you know. Like Easy. so, so now that <laughs> we're more two. affiliated with each other, we can open up on one another. Maybe next time we'll tease each other. We'll come up with a go with a with a with a joke. There you Love go. It. Yeah, you All know. Right. <laughs> Do it. There we go. You all have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to Middle of the Res Road podcast.